I hear your problems and I see the light. You've got a million things. You gotta do it right. Grease is the word. Uh, grease it. Why is grease the word? Who the hell? Grease? Like bacon grease? What, who wants grease? Grease is not the word. Grease is a heart clogging. Anyways, what am I talking about? Hey, it's Harlan Williams. Welcome to the Harland Highway Podcast. I'm your host, Harlan Williams, and I'll be uh, guiding you through this uh, this maze of roadways over the next uh, 40, 50 minutes here, my pavement pounders. Um, great show today. We are going to be talking, sadly, about the death of actor Philip Seymour Hoffman and my encounter with the man. As you know, I live here in Hollywood. I bumped into Philip Seymour Hoffman not too long ago, about... Probably about two and a half years ago. Little did I know he would be dead two and a half years later. So I'm going to tell you about that. Also, uh, I'm going to talk about a machine at the gym that is obscene. Machine obscene. There, I rhymed it. We're going to get into that. And then we have celebrity races. We're going with Charles Parsley. He's going to call the race at the Harland Highway Celebrity Racetrack. We've got some incredible incredible celebrities running today. It's going to be awesome, but it always is. This is the Harland Highway. You just made a wrong turn onto the Harland Highway. I am out here for you. You don't know what it's like to be me out here for you. It's like I picked the wrong week to quit smoking. I'm funny how? I mean funny like I'm a clown, I amuse you. Like I picked the wrong week to quit drinking. I make you laugh, I'm here to fucking amuse you. You're riding down the Harland Highway with Harland Williams. I'd buy that for a dollar. <laughs> what was it we had for dinner tonight? Well, we had a choice, steak, fish. Yes, yes, I remember I had lasagna. What do you mean funny? Funny how? How am I funny? It's like I picked the wrong week to quit amphetamines. That is thought for some mountain thing to say. Welcome to the Harland Highway. I picked the wrong week to quit sniffing blue. Oh, boy. Not, not a chipper way to start off the podcast, but how about this uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman guy? Three names, Philip Seymour Hoffman. Uh, what a tragedy. What a waste. Um, once again, you know, you've seen it all over the news. The old drugs take another, another life, whether he's talented or famous or rich or whatever. It's another life. In this case, it is a talented individual. You know, I often go off about, you know, the acting community and, and how nowadays there's not a lot of bona fide actors that are just like amazing at what they do. You know, like just just solid like when you watch them act, it is like intense. It is it is a joy to watch them act because they're so real. They tap into such a a real amazing place as actors. And Philip Seymour Hoffman in my opinion was one of those guys that could get there. Whenever I knew he was in a movie, it was always an extra bonus for that movie because he just brought a level of, of, of such commitment and, and such uh, authenticity and such realism to, to his, uh, his roles. And that's rare, man. There's a lot, of, a lot of actors nowadays that, you know, they act and they, they can act, 
but there's a very small pool of the Meryl Streeps and the Sean Penns and the Jack Nicholsons and the, you know, the, uh, who's the guy that Daniel Day-Lewis, you know, these people that are just immaculate actors. And uh, you got to throw Philip uh, Seymour Hoffman or whatever his name is in there. I get mixed up if there's too many names. I'm like, Philip, Freemore, Morgan Freeman, Phillips, sophomore. Uh, so, yeah, I get I get very mixed up real easy, as you guys uh, well know. Um, but here's a guy that, uh, you know, sadly I, I get tired of the broken record of, of the famous and the rich and the wealthy that off themselves. You know, it, it, it's hard to see someone die, but it's even harder to see someone die when, when they really have the keys to the kingdom, when they've got the golden spoon in their mouth, they've they've worked hard. I don't mean golden spoon; they were given anything, but they've worked hard to get to the pinnacle of their craft. They've they've worked hard to get to a level that that one in in twenty million get to, maybe one in a hundred million. I mean, think about it. There's there's a very small pool of really top AAA list actors. There's probably about 30 of them, you know, like the top guys that people go to when they want a real solid actor. There, there's not a lot when you break it down. Now, there's a lot of actors, but even that pool's not that big when you think about it. So um, it's tough to see these guys who, who have punched through, who have made it to a high level in their field and... And just, you know, blow it by killing themselves, by getting hooked on uh, addictive things such as uh, drugs and alcohol and whatever else uh, demons may lie in their closets, you know? And part of me, and this isn't, uh, this isn't factual, but part of me somewhere in the back of my mind wonders if if some of these actors, because it's happened to so many, so many cool, amazing people, actors, musicians, people of high-profile people in the entertainment industry, sometimes I wonder if in the back of their heads there's a psychological stigma or it's like, you know, it's it's one thing to be an actor, but, I, you know, maybe to the rest of the community, if, you, if you're kind of this, like, uh, this guy who's kind of... He's so deep that he has to like tap into like tripping out and he needs drinks to suppress his demons and he's such a deep uh, probing artist that he he needs drugs to expand his prism so he can get to places that nobody else can. Like I wonder sometimes if that's what goes through the minds of some of these people, and then this is a worse thought, but it's just a thought. It's not a fact, and I'm not knocking actors, but I wonder if this is a psychological affliction where sometimes they go, you know, you know, it'd be really cool. It's it seems the people that die, the people that they find dead, or the people that somehow go way too early. Those are like the cool ones. You know, sometimes I feel like there's a cool factor, which is almost preposterous. In fact, it is preposterous 
sometimes I think there's a maybe with some of these extreme entertainers, is it possible there's a cool factor to dying young or dying in your prime? Somehow it 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 uh, it makes you uh, some kind of idol because you went too early. And secretly, maybe you're striving for that or looking for that or I don't know. And I'm not knocking addicts or or trying to lessen the plight of addicts, but I'm 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 t- looking at this from a psychological vantage point. Is is that possibly? Could it be? I'm asking the question. Could it be in some of their minds part of their journey? Sometimes I, I I find it odd that that they know they're flirting with death. They know they're flirting with disaster. And maybe in their minds they've come to a place where it's like, well, if I die, I'm kind of immortalized in a very select club. I mean, it's one thing to be a great actor and grow old and hit 90 and kind of get washed up and die. But, you know, if I pull a Jim Morrison or Jimi Hendrix or, a, you know, blah, 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 and I kind of check out early with a needle in my arm or you know sometimes i question that i wonder if there's some of that going on and no disrespect to the dead people i'm not saying that's what you're doing and i'm not saying that's even something you want to do i'm i'm wondering if that's a seed that gets planted as a result of being in this industry and maybe it's beyond your control even or maybe it's not i don't know it's just a thought but um, I actually had a little run-in with Philip Seymour Hoffman. Um, I'll tell you about it because uh, I remember it stayed with me. It, it struck me that the man had definitely had a presence. And here's what happened: I was I was working on a movie. I was I was actually writing a movie for a studio, and uh, I had to meet with like four of the executives, and they were like, "Well, Harlan, come and meet us at the blah 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 hotel." and We'll have breakfast. You know, we had a big breakfast meeting at some fancy Hollywood, you know, place. And uh, it was in this kind of famous hotel that celebrities like to hang out at and blah, blah, blah. I didn't know till I got there. And so we're sitting there eating breakfast, and it's kind of a late breakfast, around 1030, you know, 11. And uh, the place was empty. It It was like six of us at a table or five of us at a table. And there was no one else there, and all of a sudden, in shuffles, uh, this kind of chubby-looking guy, and I look up, it's like, Philip Seymour Hoffman. <laughs> and the guy literally sat one table over, so he, he was pretty much, you know, if he wanted to, he could have been listening to our whole meeting because he was right there. He was probably, I don't know, 20 feet away, 15 feet away from, from us. And I remember he came in, and he was all by himself, and he reminded me a bit like Eeyore. Remember Eeyore from Winnie the Pooh? He kind of dragged himself in a little bit, and he he looked very uh, kind of, what are the words? He looked very kind of, uh, I don't know, a little bit bit downtrodden, a little bit uh, introverted, Maybe he looked a little bit depressed even or like he just wanted to be left alone. There was this this aura about him where he 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 feel he felt very isolated. 
And again, I'm just going off the energy and, and the aura around the guy. I, I didn't talk to him at this point, but it was almost like you ever see in the old Get Smart show where they put the cone of silence. They brought the cone of silence down over special agents so they could talk. It was like a big glass dome that came down over each person. It almost looked like he was in his own little contained airspace around him. And he, he sent off the energy like, you know, I don't really want to look at anyone. I don't want to talk to anyone. And I don't know if he was having a day or that's the way he always is. But, I, you know, taken from what I've I've read and seen about the guy, I have a feeling that was his kind of typical demeanor. So anyways, we, we're doing our meeting. He orders some breakfast. We're talking. And then he gets up. He finishes before us and starts to walk past us. And he's coming right at me. You know, I'm facing him. He's facing me. And I'm, you know, I, I've i told you on the podcast before, I usually just leave famous people, celebrities alone, even if I'm in proximity. I don't like to bug them. But when I, when I meet someone who's got pronounced talent, accentuated talent the way this guy has, I get, I get uber excited and I got to be honest, I was jonesing to just stop him and say, hey, man, love your work. And, and I felt like I had the right to do that because we're fellow actors. Now, don't get ahead of yourself. I'm not putting myself up in his category of acting. Trust me. Okay. I mean, I don't think I'm the world's worst actor. I, I can I can hold my own, but I'm not in his league. I mean, come on, man. I'm, no, I'm nowhere near his league. But I, th- I think because I've been in some good movies, some prominent movies, and so has he. You know, actors usually have that general kind of respect and that kind of, you know, connection where, where you know, if you've kind of proven yourself by doing a body of work, then there's that level of acceptance. And, and that goes for any uh, any industry, music, business, you know, blah, blah, blah politics, all that stuff. There's once you once you rise up to a certain level, there's kind of this common ground where you're accepted by your peers and you get the stamp of legitimacy. And and I was still with all these people and he was walking right towards me and I was fighting it. I was like, oh I I I, I want to say hi to him, but I'm not that guy. I never do this. And and, uh, you know, and he had kind of that, I'm just in my own little cocoon world. And I was with a bunch of people, obviously, at the meeting. So I just, I just, you know, let it go. I let him walk right by. And uh, I didn't say anything. And part of me regretted it. And part of me was happy about it because I stayed true to my kind of, like I said, my my approach to you know, famous people and blah, blah, blah. But in my head, I was like, man, that's that's one great actor. So that was my little moment of time spent in Philip Seymour Hoffman's physical space. I mean, you know, I, I guess I could say we spent, uh, you know, an hour, an hour and a half uh, in close proximity to each other. Uh, having breakfast, but never <laughs> acknowledging each other. And I don't know if he knows who I am. He he might not. I could have stood up and gone, hey, dude, how you doing? <laughs> you know, I love your work. And he could have gone, and and you are? Oh, uh, I'm just going to sit down and on my scrambled eggs. Yeah, why don't you do that? Because I've got to go to my Shakespearean acting class. 
yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. Philip uh, Dustin Hoffman, Seymour, the Sea Serpent, Jackson's Hole. So there you go. We lost another what I would call a really great actor, and it's sad. And uh, you know, I, I I get it that that drugs are an addiction. Drugs are. I don't know if I'm going to use the disease word. I just don't know if I want to buy into that. But I, I I will acknowledge it's a horrible addictive problem. But you know, there's also there's also a little bit of look. We're all human beings, and and we all have choices, and we all have to make up our own minds, and and. You know, it's uh, it's sometimes it's about having self responsibility and control, and it's it's probably not easy when you're on something like heroin. Um, but you know, so we all around just a waste, very sad. Um, and uh, you know, if you're listening, if you're an aspiring actor or whatever you do. Uh, just another lesson. Stay the hell away from that stuff, man. Life life has too much good stuff to offer that uh, you have to get zonked out on that crap. All right? Yeah. So there you go. My thoughts about uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman. And uh, let, let's uh, let's move on to something a little a little more upbeat here, huh, gang? Let's get a little uh, some chuckles going. Uh, some giggles. Okay, gang? But just before we do, just a little tribute, tiny little scene from Mission Impossible 3 that I loved where Philip Seymour Hoffman is captured by Tom Cruise and his team and Philip Seymour Hoffman just kind of stares them down and isn't really phased by being caught and in fact gets super cocky and uh, decides to threaten them and put them on the defensive, and it's a really great scene. Here it is, R.I.P. Philip Seymour Hoffman. Who are you? You have a, you have a, a wife, girlfriend? Whoever she is, I'm going to find her. I'm going to hurt her. And then I'm going to kill you right in front of her. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Charles Parsley, and welcome to another exciting race here at the Holland Highway Celebrity Races. Today we have some wonderful races. Governor Chris Christie from New Jersey... We've got pop singing sensation Christy Perry is here. We've also got rapper, actor extraordinaire Ice Cube will be running today. And Olympian slash murderer Oscar Pistorius from Australia. The celebrities lining up. They're getting into the gate. They're jostling. And there they go, ladies and gentlemen. They are off running down the track. Charging down the track, it looks like Katy Perry is in the lead. It looks like the fans are yelling her name in the audience. Chris Christie chugging down the track like an old caboose with the wheels falling off. Sweat beating down his greasy forehead. He's in a three-piece suit. He looks like a moth 
be a mob boss, and here comes Ice Cube, kind of strolling down the track with a snarl on his face, discontent for everything around him. It looks like there's a black cloud hanging over his head, much like Winnie the Pooh. And coming in behind, giving it everything he's got, it's Olympian murderer Oscar Spatorius. Here he comes, flying down the track on his fake limbs made out of metal. And it looks like Katy Perry is going by the stands. The men are up and cheering, whistling. But yet then they stop. They have a puzzled look on their face, wondering, why are we whistling at Katy Perry? She's really not that hot. She's one of those women that tries to be sexy but never quite pulls it off. And Christy Christy, it looks like Governor Chris Christie has stopped to eat a pound cake. He's fallen behind. He's eating a Merry Calendar's meatloaf, a pound cake, and a couple of pumpkin pies. Here comes Ice Cube, snarling at the crowd. They're booing him. He has his lip going like Elvis. It's in a curl. He's got those cold, lifeless eyes like he doesn't give a flying fuck about anybody or anything. And Oscar Spitorius, Oscar Spitorius sucking up to the crowd. He sees some ladies in the crowd. They've got their arms extended. They want to hug. He hugs them. He gives them a warm, loving hug. But what's this? He's pulled one of his fake legs off and starts bashing her over the head, murdering someone in the stands. And Chris Christie, he's finished eating. He's just wiped his mouth with his tie. And it looks like he's building a bridge. He's building a bridge over the other races. He's taking a bridge to the finish line. Will he do it? Katy Perry, still the men in the crowd, figuring out she's not really that sexy. A lot of makeup. And she's not that good looking either. Ice Cube snarling away. And Oscar Spitorius murdering more people. Pulled off his other legs. There's a gun inside one of them. He shot them. He's running down the track on his knobs. And here comes Chris Christie. He's going to complete the bridge. He's headed for the finish line. The fat man is about to... He crosses the finish line. Stepping off the edge of his bridge. Ladies and gentlemen, a wonderful race here today at the Holland Highway Celebrity Races. Chris Christie, your winner. And Katy Perry coming in last, crying, wondering why she's sexy, but yet she's not. Oscar Spitorius wobbling down the track on his nubs, and he's left four or five murdered people in the crowd, and Ice Cube just standing in the middle of the track with his arms crossed in defiance, refusing to even cross the finish line because he just doesn't give a flying fuck. What a wonderful race, ladies and gentlemen. We'll catch you next time. I'm Charles Parsley, and this is the Holland Highway Celebrity Races. Wow. Holy smokes. What a what a race. Our thanks to Charles Parsley for calling the race. Uh, boy, oh boy. Chris Christie pulls it out at the end. He builds a bridge. I guess over the other celebrities and uh, got over that finish line just ahead of them. Wow. You, you, you didn't see that. The big guy uh, coming in first place, but th- that's sports. You never know who's going to win. Uh, great race. Thank you, Charles Parsley. Uh, and speaking of uh, athleticism and, you know, uh, athletes and 
people in general who like to exercise and stay in shape. There's, I don't know if you guys go to the gym, but there's an apparatus at the gym which is, uh, it's for leg exercises. But I, I want to call it the, I can never make eye contact with you apparatus. Okay, or the no eye contact machine, even though it's for the legs. And let me explain. I don't know how many of you go to a gym where they got like the Nautilus machines. The Nautilus machines are the ones that they have the, you know, you sit on them. They've got leather seats and you grab the handles and there's like pulleys and you you put a pin in all the weights and uh, everything's mechanic uh, mechanized. It's not like free weights or free dumbbells or barbells. These are, these are the weight machines that you see at the gym, okay? Now, there's a couple in particular that I think are unisex, but mostly I, I only ever see women using them. And it's this machine wherein I'm just going to call it the butterfly shrimp machine or something, where a woman sits in it, and she basically... The machine, like, spreads her legs open. So she's sitting on this thing, spread-eagled almost, like the legs wide open. And in an upright sitting position, they, they close the legs, they open the legs. Like, it opens the legs really wide. Okay? So it's open the legs, close the legs, open the legs, close the legs. And uh, my, my my theory is, or what I'm guessing, it's not a theory, I'm just guessing that these uh, machines work on the inner thigh muscle, maybe. It seems like that's the logical place. I've never really looked at the machine to see what it does. That's my guess. Um, so I don't know if most men are like, my God, my inner thighs are out of control. I must get to the gym and get on that butterfly shrimp machine. I mean, have you seen my inner thighs? They are just so flabby right now. I mean, my God. Look at this. I hit them, and they wobble like a bowl of jello. What? What is going... I mean, I don't think guys ever think of their inner thighs. Maybe b- big, heavy guys. Maybe fat guys do. I-, I haven't thought about my inner thighs ever. The- you, Me talking about them now is the- probably the first time in my life I've talked about my... My creamy, delicious inner thighs. Mm. Oh, 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 oh. Um, easy, easy. Uh, so anyways, there's this machine. I think you've seen it. And it is the most awkward, uncomfortable machine. And it's the one machine in the gym where they should point it at the wall, face it at the wall, so that no one can walk by. Okay. So basically, if a woman was sitting on it, opening and closing her legs, it would be right to the wall. But at the gym I go to, it's right like these machines are right in the main alleyway where people walk up and down to access all the other machines. And the machines are pointing right into the laneway where everybody walks. And, you know, if you study uh, humans the way I do, you'll notice that humans have a tendency to follow motion. In other words, if if humans catch a motion or they catch something moving and it's maybe out of the ordinary or it's it's a, a movement they're not used to seeing 
or it's a big movement, the human eye will just naturally follow it. And I think that's that's primal. I think that's part of, you know, when we're hunters or gatherers, like any animal, when your eye sees movement, it it locks in on the movement to detect what the movement is. Is it, is it a threat? Is it prey? Is it what is that movement? It's just a trigger mechanism in the human brain. So so the way these women's legs are opening and closing, it's almost like it's almost like watching a fish breathe underwater. You know, their their gills go in and out and their mouth goes up. You know, you see a big shark sitting on the bottom just having a breather from eating turtles. So you see these legs going you know, opening and closing, and it catches your eye. So you naturally, your eye looks. And most of these women, when they're working out, are wearing the tight, like, skin-tight, like, you know, workout spandex pants or whatever, or the little tight shorts. And there you are, like, looking right in their crotch. You're looking right into the Grand Canyon. Okay? It's right there. And then for a second, they close. And then, hey, here it is again. Welcome to the Grand Canyon. And you're like, oh, I don't want to see that close. Hey, welcome to, you know, it's just like. And and what's worse is once you've made that look, once your, your eye is committed to that look, which you're not necessarily looking on purpose. There's probably guys that do because it's a very suggestive action. It's a very suggestive machine. Dare I say it could be perceived as almost sexual in nature because in where in life do you see a woman sitting there opening her legs really wide and closing them again uh, repeatedly? That's almost like it's almost akin to a neon sign blinking in the night. On, off, on, off, Arby's, 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 Arby's. Drive through, drive through, drive. You know what I mean? The only thing missing is is the crackling noise of the neon sign. Imagine if every time a woman opened her legs, you got that neon crackle. <sighs> like a no vacancy sign or the Holiday Inn. <sighs> Right? So you get caught looking, and and then the worst thing is you, you, you're looking at this thing, and, you, and before you can look away, which a gentleman should do, all of a sudden you realize that you, you look up, and the woman's looking at you. And she's like, um, hey, perv, is there a reason you're looking into my Grand Canyon right now? Um, can I help you? Hello? Next in line. Take a number. Uh, anything here I can interest you in, perv? And what what I said earlier about this machine be call, being called the non-eye contact machine, the women in the machine, I think, feel just as uncomfortable because they never look up and, and connect eyes with you. It's as awkward for them. They're like, God, I don't want to... I don't want a butterfly shrimp in front of a gym full of dudes because it's usually mostly dudes in a gym, right? Like, God, do I have to butterfly shrimp in front of everybody? Oh, boy. Good night, Nelly Frittato, huh? (sighs) 
And so that they don't want to look up and make eye contact while their legs are wide open. So it's just the most awkward, stupid machine. And I'm like, ladies, are, are your inner thighs really, are you really getting that much of a workout on this machine that you have to like, you know, give us a show and humiliate yourself? So if there's any gym owners listening, put the damn butterfly shrimp machine in front of the wall so a woman can open her legs in peace and privacy. Hey, man, can a lady open her leg, okay, in privacy anymore? What's that all about, man? I go to the gym. I want to open and close my leg 50, 60 times. I want to do some repetitions, open and closing my leg. And I got a guy walking by, looking down my Grand Canyon, watching me do the butterfly shrimp. Oh, hell no. A woman got to open her leg in private now. You hear me? Lord Jesus, I got to open my leg in private. Ain't got no time for no butterfly shrimp for no homie walking up and down the highway in the gym now. You hear me now? Amen. There you go, man. So, ladies, if you see the guys looking there when you're at the gym, we're not trying to. At least most of us aren't. Most of us are gentlemen. But it's such a weird thing when you're walking by, your eye catches that strange movement. And please don't tell me it's not primal for a man to want to look when a woman throws her legs open. I mean, that's, that's the reason humanity exists, man. We were wired to breed. We were wired to mate. And uh, the physical action of a woman throwing her legs open as wide as she can, that's that's akin to, uh, you know, working out in the field all day and there's someone on the porch going, come on in, boys. I've got some nice ice-cold lemonade. Get in here. Come on, run in here. Get some nice cold ice-cold lemonade. How fast are you running up that through that field up onto the porch, grabbing that lemonade and clog, 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 clog? Yeah. Boys and men are wired to respond to a woman be open her leg due to butterfly shrimp. You can't t- you can't take show me to Grand Canyon and I ain't gonna go on a tour, walk down in there. It's like those bug lights, okay? It's like the electric bug lights, the purple ones. People put them out. The the moth is like, I'm just going to fly around in the night. I'm going to look at this. What the hell is that over there? What is that purple thing? Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I'm going to the purple light. I'm going to the purple light. Oh, my God. Look at the. Yeah. That's us with the no eye contact butterfly Grand Canyon shrimp machine. (laughs) And ladies, I apologize for the crude reference to your private areas. There's, there's girls listening now going, okay, did he just call my area the Grand Canyon? Um, unacceptable? I'm just, I'm just driving home a point. Of course it's not the Grand Canyon. <sighs> so there you go. Gym owners, do the right thing. Put the damn butterfly shrimp machine up against the wall. And I'm going to close the show out with that thought right there, okay? Because I need I need everyone to think about that. All right, good. 
We got that out of the way. Let's get to uh, let's get to some announcements here. Flirtle Nurgens and Blurgle Blurgens. Okay. Um, if you are in uh, Los Angeles, California, or surrounding uh, territory, tonight, February thirteenth, I will be appearing in Ontario, California. At the Improv, I'll be there Thursday, February thirteenth through the sixteenth. Okay, so if you if you want to get your Valentine on Friday night, the fourteenth, uh, you know, come on out. I'll get you all uh, all mushy and horned up with my erotic material, and then you guys can go home and uh, maybe you've got your own uh, butterfly shrimp machine at home, and you can do it in the nude. Yeah. Oh, oh, Charles. Ah. Uh, and then let's keep going here, gang. Let's keep uh, looking down the list here. I will be in San Diego. Oh, I love this club. I love San Diego. If you're in San Diego, please come out, Pavement Pounders. I, lo- I love your city. I'm just going to say it. I love it. Uh, the, the comedy club is great. It's called the American Comedy Company. It's a great club. Uh, it is uh, going to be going off... Uh, February 27th, that's a Thursday, right into March 1st, that's a Saturday. So uh, for all these stand-up comedy dates, please go to my website, harlowwilliams.com, and uh, book your tickets. Um, Also, uh, later in March, March 13th through the 16th, I'll be in Dallas, Addison, Texas, at the Improv. And then, gang, I've got some good news, especially for my Canadian listeners. Uh, It looks like my sitcom package deal has been picked up for season two. Yay! I'm going to be heading back up to Vancouver to uh, shoot the series. And because we're going into our second season, I think that probably bodes well for a buyer in the U.S. to pick up the series. We're keeping our fingers crossed, and then hopefully... Uh, the show will start airing down here in the U.S. I'll keep you posted on that. So that's some good news for the kid. I'm having a real fun time doing that sitcom package deal. And by the way, if you want to see episodes, you can go online, go go uh, go into the uh, internet, and uh, just type in. Uh, I guess you'd go into YouTube, or you, I think they have a website. I should know this, but I don't. Um, Type in uh, package deal sitcom on City TV, and I think it should take you to the City TV website where you can uh, look around and you can actually watch full episodes of Package Deal for my American friends that uh, haven't been able to watch it because they're not in Canada, because they're American, they're not Canadian. But I'd love to get your feedback if you do watch the show. I'd love to hear uh, what you have to say, the good, the bad, the ugly, what have you. Um, While you're at my website, harlowwilliams.com, please subscribe to my YouTube channel. There's a subscribe button right at the bottom, and you will see all my wacky, cool, nutty videos that I've been directing and producing and blah, blah, blah. Um, and they will come to you as soon as we post them. So uh, it's it's in your best interest to get the free subscription to my YouTube channel if you like my nutty sense of humor and want to see me doing mentally deranged things for your enjoyment. <laughs> and I won't be sitting on a butterfly machine, although now I think I should, now that I've said it. And a real tight pair of Hooters shorts. How sickening is that? 
Also, check out ATC.com. That's allthingscomedy.com. That is the podcast network where you can find the Harland Highway as well. And there's some other great comedians on there. Jake Johansson, Bill Burr, Al Magigal. Uh, really great uh, podcast network there. Um, check out the store at harlandwilliams.com. We got all kinds of merch for you to keep you laughing. Uh, books, artwork. You know, I've been doing a, every now and then I do a little piece of original artwork and I put it in a frame. And, you know, I, I only do one. I do one, uh, I frame it up, and uh, it's been amazing. People, they they get in there, they see it, and uh, they want to have that, that original piece of artwork. So congrats to whoever, all the pavement pounders who went in there and were able to grab those paintings or drawings or whatever I put in the frame. I'm going to keep doing more. So, uh, you know, keep your eyes open for that. Whew, that's a lot. That's a lot of announcements, but a lot of good stuff, man. A lot of good stuff going on. Uh, please tell your friends about the Harland Highway. Let's let's get everybody enjoying it. Uh, and if you want to write to me and leave me a note, you can write to me at harlandwilliams.com. There is a button there where you can write your comments. Or if you're too shy to write and you'd rather leave me a phone message on our voicemail machine, you can do that too, and you might get on the show. Uh, and you can say whatever you want. We're at 323-739-4330. That's 323-739-4330. So there you go, pavement pounders. Uh, that's it, man. Thanks for uh, being here. Great to spend some time with you. I love you all so madly. And don't forget, grease is the word. And until next time, chicken chow mein, baby.